I'm at the Cape Cod Symposium on Addictive Disorders. This is the 32nd annual CCSAD hosted by C4 Events. This is where I get my hands on the experts and the professionals in the field of addiction and mental health disorders. So you can have more help, more support, more connection to the information that is going to bring your family back from the brink of destruction, from these destructive habits, these destructive patterns. I'm Aaron Huey. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. In the recovery industry, uh, facilities will come up with a technique, a process, a uh, uh, they will hang on to something that they believe works. Uh, and I'm going to use the 12 steps. My audience, you guys know, I've done the 12 steps. I've said plenty of times being in those rooms saved my life. It wasn't the steps for me. It was the people for me. Uh, there's a new, there's a new uh, a recovery program called Smart out there that a lot of facilities are using. People really like. It's a little bit different than the 12 steps. Um, there's there's uh, uh, EMDR and CBT and DBT and MI and all these, the alphabets. We call them the alphabets. My next guest, Linda, Linda Hurry, Hurley, Linda Hurley, when she sat down and we talked about what she's passionate about talking about and making sure parents understand, um, she said, one size doesn't fit all. And as a parent, I know your child is unique. The danger of what we are all going through as, as people in recovery or as parents of people who need recovery is the idea that our loved ones are terminally unique, that no one can help them and they're going to die. No one, our problem's different, our problem's. So there's a, there's a gray area in the middle that we need to talk about because you're not so special and unique that no one can help you. And a one size fits all doesn't exist in the treatment industry, although facilities like to say, we got what you need. But you don't know that. So, Linda, thank you for, for being on Beyond Risk and Back and helping our, our, our moms and dads navigate this piece. You're welcome. Finding treatment for a loved one, um, it's terrifying. It's, it's expensive financially, physically, mental, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. Um, so we're coming into being told we need treatment or deciding that treatment is needed in survival. We don't know how we're going to pay for this. We don't know how we're going to make it. And then somebody will drop the bomb and say, your marriage might not even survive recovery. So we're not in a good place walking in. And now we're saying, um, hey, not everything is available. So before we get into that, talk about how you ended up being a boss goddess of a program. You are the CEO. Um, let's talk about how Linda ended up with what Linda's doing. Uh, well, my background is a little different than most CEOs. I started as a therapist uh, in this field of substance use disorder. And um, I, I recognized and I actually became um, sort of enthralled by various approaches to healing. Uh, as I recognized the longer I was in the field, I'm kind of old, so I measure time by decades. <laughs> um, and I've been in the field a nice, nice long time. And, uh, and what I saw as the science developed, I saw our efficiency increase in being able to help people heal from this disease. So for me, that's what took me from doing the direct care as a therapist into program development and then into administration and then into public policy because we need every level 
to make sure that the parent that you just described has the opportunities they need to have good treatment, options for treatment that are credible, that are competent, and that are compassionate, and that are affordable. Was I on track when I was giving examples of, of if, if, if a facility was to say to you as a parent loved one that we're a 12-step program and, and the 12 steps, as long as you stick to them, it'll work and it'll work for everybody, that that's not realistic. Is that accurate to say? It certainly isn't. It's, well, it, the science hasn't proven that, and it certainly hasn't been our experience in the field. I'll tell you, one of the, one of the things that was tossed onto me recently while I was out in London doing shows was that the new, uh, um, the new panacea, the new, the new golden, golden bullet was Ibogaine which was out in the 70s, the FDA said <laughs> no, <laughs> and banned it. And now in, in Portugal and Brazil, facilities are starting to use Ibogaine and saying, but this cures it. In two hours, it cures it. It's this, is this, when we hear that, should we run? I don't know that we should run, but we certainly need to do our homework. And that's really, that's easy for me to say because it's my job to do that homework. Right. You know, when my family's in crisis, it's hard to do that homework. Right. But I think the first red flag when you're looking for help for your loved one is, is to look at where can I go to see what all my options are. Because if I go to one treatment facility, that looks great. I mean, we want the best for our kids. I, I was working, speaking and working with a woman a few years back who mortgaged her house three times. Oy. I don't even know how she could do it. Uh, and she eventually lost her house and lost her son. It, it was very, oh. very, it, it, it's, yeah, you can hear it. Um, and it was because she was believing that the most expensive care had to be the best care for her 22, 23, 24-year-old son. And that isn't it. This is, this is a chronic relapsing disease of the brain. And everybody's brain is different. So we really have to take the time, even in the midst of chaos and fear and everything that happens when, we, when we're pushed in the corner to save someone we love, um, is that we have to take the time to really see what are the options out there. Find someone that you can trust, that someone else in the community trusts, that can help with assessing what those things might need to be, right? Because there may be, it may take two or three times of the same, the same type of intervention, or it might be two or three different interventions. It's a complex disease. And that's why sometimes 90, 90 meetings in 90 days works for, for Linda. And, you know, it may not work for Aaron. Right. Because we're all different. And that's why everything needs to be available. Everything that is competent needs to be available. So I was interviewing uh, a while back a, uh, some people who were involved in one of those extremely high-end facilities, 70000 a week, mm -hmm. right? And, and, you know, Switzerland on a lake, unbelievably beautiful, amazing results. Everybody has their own cabin with a private therapy room in the cabin. You have your own yoga fitness coach. And, and they said that the benefit... Of, of how they do what they do is that they can 
absolutely 100% design a care plan specific to you, your individual needs, and can take the time and have the expertise to create an assessment based on developing a recovery plan that is absolutely going to work for you because of who you are on your person. Now, understanding that this is the type of place that works with royalty, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I get that. I get that. And, and that would be, and they said it, this would be ideal for everybody. What we can accomplish because our clients are ultra rich, we wish everybody could do. But the truth is, is that it takes money to do this thing. So are you talking about trying to find a facility that has a version of that that's affordable? Or are you talking about trying to find the facility that's going to fit your loved one's specific needs or some mix of both or either, or like, like let's, let's start to dial this in. How do I find individualized care since we're all so different? So individualized care is, um, is this the, the standard. It is what, is supposed to happen and everybody <laughs> says they do it any pamphlet you pick any up anywhere oh, is going to say individual, so glad you said this individualized care so our job you know my job is i'm talking about you know working with other policymakers and at a state level and such is to how do we set standards so that we can audit and when we read something that says okay when linda goes to take her son to this facility it says individualized care and it's individualized care yeah, it's so, co-occurring and it's really co-occurring. It's dual diagnosis. It's really dual exactly. diagnosis. Okay. Yeah. So, but from what I said earlier and to answer what you just said, asked me is an assessment process um, is can happen anywhere. So, you know, if it really can, of it can, course. you know, and it, it can happen with anyone with the right credentials and the right experience. ACEs online is free. Yeah, you can, you can get... And my suggestion is that you have two, just like you. I mean, if somebody tells me that, you know, uh, they found, a, I don't know, breast cancer, I'm going to get a second opinion. Get a second opinion. You know, or if somebody tells you have some kind of rare knuckle disease of the left hand, I'm going to get a second opinion. Why would we ever not get a second opinion when it comes to diseases of the brain? It's another organ, and we don't do it. It's amazing because not only are we talking about, you know, uh, the common sense of getting a second opinion, but we are talking about getting a second opinion on diagnosis, theories, uh, decisions made about the single most complicated organism on the planet, which is the human brain. Like we still don't know how it works. We know it's, it's, it's still baffling us. And we also see a, a, a very highly intelligent, qualified people who can hear someone talk about a series of behaviors and then throw medications at the single most without doing genetics testing, without doing neurotransmitter testing. These are assessments that can be expensive, can be cheap, depending on where you find them. But before your child starts taking this Seroquel, find out if your child has high serotonin to begin with, because Seroquel on top of high serotonin will brutalize your child's brain. They will be hallucinating people telling them to do evil things if they take Seroquel with high serotonin. I've seen it. So you know, this this assessment, the second opinion, why wouldn't we? That was the question you said. Why wouldn't why, we? Why don't we? And we don't. And I suggest it. When, fo- when, in, when families come to us, the organization for which I work, 
um, you know, it's a suggestion. If this isn't sitting well, if it's not fitting well, even if it, even if it is, take some time, yeah. you know, and go do another one. Have another one. Set it up for next Monday and go have another one. And then, then maybe those two, those two practitioners, those two experts can actually consult. Yeah. Wouldn't that be something? Oh, my gosh. If, yeah. if doctors would talk. So, and it can be done at the suggestion, you know, of the people holding the insurance cards or the members of the plans. You say you want it, it can be done. Can we give parents permission? It's something I used to say when I was doing our intakes at our facility. Look, if everything I said, if you go home from this and, and you're losing sleep because of something I said that you don't agree with and you're not sure, don't enroll your child. Because if you start with that, I can tell you it's going to end a lot worse. That that's, we have to give parents permission to trust their gut right and and the problem is in that moment of fear and chaos we all want to rely on the expert so if it doesn't feel right to us oh it's just because i don't know what i'm doing i don't know anything about this that's not true you know you and you know your child and so that voice is also remarkably important and it might be that, that we thought we were trusting our guts in the past, but now we find out all this is going on with our kid that we didn't know. And now who can I trust if I can't even, but we still need to say, if you go to a facility and your gut says, no, let that be the answer. Yeah. Okay. What else are we looking for to try to help a family find a, a program that is truly going to work? And what I love about this, what I love about what you're saying, Linda, is the fact that you run a facility that through this philosophy that you're talking about now, you're going to turn people away. We do. We refer all the time. So, okay. So what else, what else do we have for families? So once an assessment is done, you know, and you, that's when the, that's when the options come up. And then you have, you know, your options are going to probably be limited by sometimes by geography, sometimes by dollars. Um, sometimes it's even by understanding or what your loved one is saying that they'll participate in, you know? I mean, right. so that's, a, that's another topic. But right now we're trying to find what is going to be the best thing. We have this conversation all the time. One of the programs that we have is, um, controversial for younger people and has been controversial for 60 years, but we provide medicine, medication-assisted treatment for sure, opioid use disorder, as well as medicines for other substance use disorders. And, um, you know, we've treated 15-year-olds uh, before um, utilizing methadone in a withdrawal protocol because buprenorphine didn't work, sending so-and-so to Aunt Janie's didn't work, and later on, as, as, as the young men, there, there were two, there were brothers, as the young men began to uh, become more um, open with their history because right. they weren't as afraid, right. right? They had started using at 11, yeah. you know, and they, they were so worried about hurting their parents that they didn't want their parents to know. Yeah. So, so those little brains that, you know, right in that piece of development, where literally they were using heroin yeah. for from 11 to 15. So for them, the whole world went, oh my God, you're putting these babies on, these 15-year-old babies, you're putting them on. I just putting did quotes. On, right? Yeah, <laughs> you, know, um, you know, my God, you're providing this medicine, methadone for them. That's what their little brains needed at that time. The buprenorphine yeah. wasn't going to work. Yeah. And they, at their age, which we're all, we all know, and it's part of the fear, 
they were afraid, the parents, you know, were afraid to continue to try to, you know, because buprenorphine is so accepted for teenagers and, and young people. It's the, you know, it's right now it's the magic wand. And we provide that medicine too. I'm, I'm medication agnostic. I just want the one that works for people. If they need medicine, you know, I don't, I don't care which one the it is. The whole point is to get this dysfunction to stop and the function to begin exactly. so that life can, 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 can happen and the brain can catch up and everything. And if it takes a pill to, to bridge a gap of pain and suffering that would keep them from moving forward, well, it might be time to try it. It's all about healing. And so, you know, we need to heal on... The, the social part, the feeling part. And we also need to heal in a physiological part right. in the brain that has been changed because of the use. From, from so use. there's the medicine sometimes, you know. Okay, so now now we've got we've got uh, uh, um, the, the learning where to go to find out all your options. That was the first one. And that mm-hmm. makes sense to me. And uh, it, it, Google is a blessing curse because you're going to say, where do I go? And 16 million pages are going to pop up. And at the top of every page, looking very much like links are ads from people who have call-in centers and are going to sell you. And, you know, and, and so there's a, there's a lot of noise to navigate through that piece. But um, aside from the, the, the Google, where, where are we looking to find out what's available? Well, one of the things that's happening in a lot of states now is your states are going to have websites with accredited licensed yeah, sites. Yeah. That is happening. That's right. And it's increasing. It's always been around in some states. County states, county sites are doing that as well. Yeah. And that is a place to go because at, at a bare minimum, these, play, these, these facilities have been licensed. Someone has deemed that they are competent entities. Every state has a regulatory agency that mm-hmm. is that is licensing facilities and is monitoring them. Correct. I'm one of them. There you are. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, I'm one we of them. We are as so. well. Yeah. And um, so that is a, that's a place to start. And the other place to start is find a couple of trusted professionals in your community, and you can find them. They're pretty easy to find. Yeah. Uh, trusted professionals in the community, and you have your assessment, and you say. What do you think? What's your experience been? Linda, you know, my kid Linda is, I have no control and I need help. And she's willing to do X, Y, and Z. So of everything in a hundred mile radius here, what can we do? Right. Um, And it it really, I believe it needs to be a, um, a kind of local exploration. Okay. And if you have the freedom to not be held by a local exploration, then I also, I think it's really important, what are people saying? You know, do other, have other parents, have their children been there? What was the, re, what, what, what happened? You know, you just said something that, that I want you to uh, uh, explain. You said, you know, local. Mm-hmm. Why local? Why do, why do you want to stay local if possible? Well, local if possible is usually the most affordable. Uh, local if possible is... is like I said, you know, if um, what we have found is that often individuals don't want to go, you know, uh, half a country away. Sure. Uh, particularly the younger someone is. Yeah. So if it's if you have to, I mean, if, if your child is digging in and saying, no, I'm not going to do it, then find out what is going to be available to you locally. If you can afford f- for it to go, you know, to 
pick the best, then of course do that. You know, and when I say best, I mean competent and expensive. Of course, of course. Yeah. There, there is, there's, you know, and every year, uh, uh, providers like you and I, we get spooked by the thing where they say, oh, the regulatory agencies are not going to let you seek therapy outside. If your residency is in Utah and you find a facility in Colorado, uh, that's, you know, especially for children, because the family then who's living in Utah is doing mm. family therapy on Zoom in Colorado. And they're like, you can't do that. You can. Those laws have not been enacted. You can still do that type of stuff um also when you're locally you can visit your family member it's True. affordable like you said if the means are there that you can fly you know once then a week fine. great go yeah. for it but look what if there's four other children at home right you know so there's a lot to be said if you can find competent local care that matches the needs talk about as, as we're coming around to the end here talk about your facility because Linda, I have to say that that talking with someone like you, parents hearing from someone like you, you're an easy reminder when you're saying, look, if not us, we're going to help you find a place. And we are not for everybody. And I can say to you, Linda, I'm an 18-bed facility. Right now, I have eight beds available. And you know what? We turn people away every day because I would rather have empty beds than the wrong kids in my facility. And that's that's ethically appropriate for what you and I do. And it's also the heart of what we do. If I look at a kid and they're saying, oh, my God, they're running away constantly. It's appropriate for me to say to a family, I'm not a lockdown. If they run from here twice, we're going to ask you to find another place. And I have a feeling they're going to run if they're good at it. So let's help you find another place that has some locked doors that can get you. Locked doors is no different to me than medication assistant. <laughs> yeah, it's all, yeah. Right. It's, it's just another variable in what is needed in the intervention right. to be effective. So talk, please talk about your facility, the services you offer, and how people can find you. Okay. Well, we're Kodak Behavioral Healthcare, C-O-D-A-C. And... Uh, we're in Rhode Island, and now we're in Massachusetts as well. We're an outpatient behavioral health care, which just means mental health and substance use disorder. We have a specialty in treating opioid use disorder. We've been treating opioid use disorder, utilizing the medicine of methadone for over 40 years. We're one of the oldest in the country. Yeah. Uh, we have nine licenses in Rhode Island. We now have one in Massachusetts. Uh, we do... Uh, psychiatric care with the extra care that we do around substance use disorder grew out of observing what people needed when they came to us for care so we don't provide primary care but we do provide care for infectious disease and prevention uh, we do provide care for reproductive health and yeah. and prevention pieces right. because those are the things cardiology um, and you know wellness yeah. uh, around diabetes and things of that nature um, and you know we treat or we don't treat children we treat adolescents and adults and uh, families we do a full range of services uh, we have psych we have psychiatrists and ASAM docs which just means docs who have been um, credentialed to be an addiction specialist um, and, you know, the work, one of the reasons that there we have so many clinics, and I think this speaks to what we've been talking about, about finding the right spot, right. is as an opioid treatment center, um, particularly one that has been registered with the DEA to provide methadone as a medicine, um, it, 
those those treatment centers what gets lost is the treatment and all the community and the individual coming to care or sees right. is medicine so we don't have big giant ones you know there'll be 200 people in this clinic and 180 in this clinic and throughout the course of the day and the week it's a very calm relaxed professional environment where people feel cared for right and i think that's also a piece that's important to feel you need to feel um you need to feel your treatment environment i, I don't know how to say that any better to feel it as a healing environment you're not walking into a place that's scary you're walking in and you're going oh okay yeah you know and so there's there's a lot and i think that sometimes as parents especially at that point when you're looking you feel like you don't have those choices and it's not up to you to say this doesn't feel right so i'm going to reinforce what you said aaron and that if it doesn't feel right it doesn't feel right don't ask do it. the questions yeah. and if the questions are answered in a way that still leaves you feeling this doesn't feel right don't, don't do, do it, it. Yeah. there's other places and in that survival space, you feel so limited. You feel that, you know, uh, every second counts. This person may die any second. And listen, when I'm dealing with teens and suicide and, and the drugs that teens and the dependency and the mental health issues that we're dealing with, it's much different than the opioid addicts that you're dealing with because, you know, we're, it, opioids in and of itself is such a brutal experience. Um like methadone's going to be in the news because we always want to shake a finger at something that we wish would work better. Right. But there's not one thing that's that is solving all these problems and plenty of people have used methadone to save their lives. We know this. And for because for 40 years we wouldn't still be doing it if it wasn't working. I wouldn't still be doing you you know, I of still course. wouldn't be where I am if I didn't believe that it worked. I see it work. Of course. That's what the science says. Are you guys, do, do your guys, the clinics, do you do you also participate in needle share and, and people like that, or are you looking to get people off? Oh, no. Um, for us, we are across the board. The most important treatment is the treatment that works. So it's the medicine, the right medicine, when you need it, for as long as you need it. It's not my job to judge your physiology. Right. Okay. Linda Hurley, thank you so much for helping parents navigate this because, again, the, the, the way you speak about this, you help people get back into that prefrontal cortex rather than that limbic system that is just completely like, oh, my God, we're all going to die versus listen to your gut. If you don't like it, don't go. Yeah. Do, do, take a minute. Take a breath. So, Linda, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, I love what you're doing. Thank you so much. And thanks for, thanks for being on the front lines out there. This has been another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Thank you so much, parents, for making Beyond Risk and Back a number one parenting podcast. I'd like to thank CCSAD for their support and the opportunity to interview all of these amazing guests for this series. If you have seen Beyond Risk and Back on any of the five major social media sites, you can thank Your Cause Consulting. Your Cause Consulting specializes in marketing companies that have something going on bigger than just running their business. They have a cause. If you'd like to contact Your Cause Consulting, go to yourcauseconsulting at gmail.com. All the sound and the music was engineered and created by Deepin Productions. 
To reach Deepin Productions, go to deepinproductions at gmail.com. D-E-E-P-E-N productions at gmail.com. This is Aaron Huey. Parents, remember to take care of yourselves first, your adult relationships second, and your children third. In that way, we do our best work with our children. We'll talk again soon.